are so thankful to have Brother Dean with us. He is the uh, president of the men's work in the District of Louisiana, over 400 churches. He's also vice president of men's ministry, apostolic men's ministry, nation, international. Pastors a great church in Bossier City. He claims that he is retired, but I am suspicious of that classification. He said he's worked harder since he's retired than any time in his whole life. So we're glad that he's here. We want him to feel welcome at Eastwood. Would you make Bishop Jerry D. welcome? We love you in Jesus' name. Give that hand clap to the Lord, Jesus, please. Everybody clap your hands and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You can take that re- off of retired. They had me preaching six times in three days. Six times in three days. I haven't done that in forever. I don't know if I've ever done that. But I sure sleep good at night. You can be seated. Good morning, everybody, and God bless you. And it's so good to be here with my friends, the Myers. Your pastor and his wife, his boys, man, Gregory and Luke, they were so impressive. They've been taking care of me and all of them. And I didn't realize how brilliant your pastor was. I, I, I mean, I knew he was highly educated and all this stuff, but we were on that road going up to Ocala and there was some serious, serious traffic. Oh, it was terrible. And I said, man, what's the deal with all this traffic? He said, well, there's just more cars than there is highway. That might have been the greatest revelation I've ever got in my life. I'm going to tell that all over. That was just brilliant. I mean, brilliant. I don't know what class that came out of, but it must have been an engineering class for sure. Anyway, and the Elder Myers, God bless them. You know, uh, back when I had a little carnal moment, I listened to a country song called I Was Country Before Country Was Cool. And people like Elder Brother Myers, do y'all call him Bishop? I don't know what title they go by here, just the Senior Myers. These people were Pentecostal before Pentecostal was cool. Yeah. And, and let me tell you, uh, that's why we're here today, because these people just did a great job. And I don't have Facebook, and I think I can get to heaven without it. I'm not positive, but anyway, I do follow the, either the church or Brother Myers or something on some social media site, and... So I've seen pictures. I saw last week you had a crusade and 51 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, what am I doing? But anyway, I asked Brother Meyer, I said, I saw some pictures. It looked like you had a lot of Jamaicans in your church. Hey, so are there any Jamaicans in the house? Whoa. Some of you raising your hands ain't from Jamaica. You're the wrong color. Hold on a minute. I, all my Jamaican friends here, I got to tell you, I preached a sermon a while back. The title of my sermon was, I Want to Be Jamaican. Yeah, and here's what happened. So I went and preached for a young man out of our church. He pastors in Atlanta. He's not actually all that young anymore. Anyway, he has like 40 or 50 Jamaicans in his church. Man, they came in that Sunday morning. They had on hats. They had on yellow, bright yellow, bright orange, uh, pink. I don't know. any All these colors. Man, but their worship just lit that service up. It was just beautiful, man. And yeah. So I, I'm on the way home the next day on the plane, and I was praying. I don't know. In Louisiana, we don't have counties. We have parishes. I don't know if there's a Jamaican in our parish. But I said, God, I want some Jamaicans in the Pentecostals of Bossier. And the Lord said, why don't you just be a Jamaican? 
So I preached a sermon. I want to be Jamaican. I went up here. I went up here to uh, Toronto, and I preached in a Jamaican church. It was huge. I preached my heart out. We had a big old long altar service. People were being touched and blessed. And I'm, I'm like, okay, it's about time to go to the restaurant, uh, get something to eat, go to home, go to bed. No, no. That pastor's an amazing organ player. He went to that organ and started doing the hoopy doopy or whatever on that organ. And that place came alive. We sang for another hour, I think. And I'm like, I thought we were going home. For those Jamaicans, they know how to have church. So I want to be Jamaican. That had nothing to do with my message today, but I'm just trying to get comfortable up here. But thank you, church, for loving missions. Loving the work of God. God has amazing things in your future. I don't have to tell you that. I find that in the Bible. I told the first group, an 84-year-old lady, her pastor brought her up on the platform and said, tell us what it was like in your day. She said, Pastor, this is my day. <laughs> so that's what this retiring business is about. It's like this is still my day and i'm i'm old enough to have seen the transformation that's taken place in our churches i evangelized five years most of those churches would have 30 or 40 people in them their buildings were dilapidated very few nice churches but look what the lord has done in the last century, 600 million people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That ought to make everybody shout. If that happened in the 20th century, I wonder what's going to happen in the 21st century. So here's what I've been trying to learn. And it's not easy to learn. I'm trying to learn how to get out of the way. And let God have His way. Stop leaning on any ability I may have, and it's not much. But God doesn't need me to manufacture anything. God needs me to be a conduit. He just needs somebody He can flow through. So I, uh, my daddy passed away at 92 in 2014. He was precious. He was a preacher. He gave up everything. An old World War II veteran shot three times. He always said, I left my blood in three countries, France. Germany and Belgium. He was shot uh, three days with a crippling shot that blew out his ankle three days before the war ended in Europe. He's had the hospital send in a, a chaplain to ask him if he's ready to meet God. They didn't think he'd make it through the night. But he lived and he kept his pledge to the Lord that he would do whatever God wanted him to do. Found God at a Brush Arbor meeting. You don't even know what that is, do you? They didn't have a church. A church came out in the country and put up a little Brush Arbor and he got curious about it, went down there, and the rest is history. And God filled him with the Holy Ghost, and it changed his life. That's the way it's supposed to happen when you get the Holy Ghost. But anyway, uh, my dad grew up in the Depression. They were poor, like we were pretty poor growing up. We didn't have a lot. My dad traded all that in to be a preacher. And before he died, he made me these little horses. And I'm going to preach to you about simplicity. He made these horses out of corn stalks and, and told us, made them for me and my brothers. I had four brothers. He said, this is what my daddy used to make me when I was a little boy. They didn't have money to buy toys. And uh, I, I, I can tell you, I can, I can guarantee you they had as much fun with these little horses as these kids have with these video games. Those ears are all plugged up, can't hear anything, but playing somebody on the other side of the world and I'll shut up in the room, you know, not getting any vitamin D, no exercise. I'm, I'm an old man, can you tell? I can tell you they probably had as much fun. I had as much fun growing up. I didn't know what chlorine was in a swimming pool until I was a grown man. We swam in mud holes. Honestly, I swam in a, in a stock pond one time that was stagnated. When I got out, my toenails were green with that stagnant water. 
I went home. My mother said, where in the world have you been? My toenails were going. We didn't wear shoes in the summer. We went, but you don't believe any of this, do you? I'm a country boy. I was country before country was cool, you, you, you know. And anyway, I got married. My wife refined me a little bit, not a whole lot, but she worked on me. She kept, kept me not to say chimney and taca, and she won't let me say gracious, gracious in a Mexican restaurant. She just said, forget it. You're embarrassing me. She sent me a text this morning and said, I prayed for you this morning that God would help you have a clean mouth. <laughs> Show you the text. It's true. She knows I'm kind of crazy when I go out. Well, I'm crazy all the time. I'm crazy when I'm home. I'm in love with Jesus. Is anybody in love with Jesus? Come on, somebody. Is anybody in love with the Lord? Isn't it amazing He died for us? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? But I've, I've, I've really, I'm very serious about it. I've done a little traveling, not nearly as much as these guys overseas and Nearly all the countries that I've gone to are third world countries, and and the thing about the churches I visit in the third world countries, they're just having phenomenal revival. And I, you know, my prayer is I want to have a first century church in the 21st century. Can we have a Book of Acts church in the 21st century? Huh? And I've just seen things over there. Uh, we're going to show you a video tonight of a crusade we had in Nicaragua, but. I, I just, uh, I mean, we actually, you know, sometimes we think God is an American. God is not an American. He's, you know, He's not a Democrat. He's not a Republican. He's God, all right? He's God. And, but, 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 uh, I've, I see these great revivals, and I just want to tell you, there are many places in the world that have a Book of Acts church today. Didn't get a lot of response from that. There are places in the world I've been there. I'll show you tonight where they are having a Book of Acts church. We just had Gerald McLean in Bossier City at our missions conference. He just retired from being in Nigeria. He and his wife, and uh, he told stories that boggled the mind of things they saw and witnessed. One particular story was a pastor's son passed away. And they, they, uh, they wouldn't give up. They kept praying. The saints came to the hospital. The hospital was saying, you got to take this boy to the funeral home. you got to get him out of here. And they wouldn't give up. And I don't remember how many days it was they kept that boy. God raised that boy from the dead. I'm telling you, there are places in the world where they have a Book of Acts church. Now, we got a good church in North America. And we're doing a lot of great things. But we need a move of God unprecedented. We need another Azusa Street revival. If you don't know what that is, go to Wikipedia and look it up. It changed the world. It changed the world. It changed the world. We need that kind of revival in Bossier City. We need that kind of revival in Palm Bay and Melbourne. We need that kind of revival in Florida. Do you know one miracle in Acts chapter 3? 5,000 people were added to the church that day over one miracle of a lame man who was born from his birth. He couldn't walk. We can have some miracles in our world, in our day, that can rattle the brains of every atheist, every agnostic, every unbeliever. Yes, we can, and we're going to get there. We're going to see that. You know what? Someday you'll be having two services, and this building will be full both times. Do I have any Jamaicans in the house that believe that? Everybody can be a Jamaican this morning. I want to be a Jamaican. I want to believe that. They got this... Simple little, simple little toy horses made out of corn stalks. I was sitting in my office staring at those little things up on my shelf, and I remembered a verse of Scripture from the writing of Paul in 2 Corinthians 11. He said, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through the subtility, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And then he goes on to say, For if he cometh, preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, whom ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, you might well bear with him. 
I want a book of Acts, church. Do we have the same God? Do we have the same Holy Ghost? Can we use the same powerful name of Jesus? Can we still cast out devils in the name of Jesus? Amen. We love sermons that wow us. I love sermons that wow us. But truthfully, I want to get out of the way, and I want to see what God can do. Paul said the gospel, in Romans he said the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I read a book called The Phenomenon of Pentecost by Frank Urich. He was an Azusa Street convert in the early days of the last century. And he was talking in the book about singing a song uh, called Jesus Breaks Every Fetter. While he was singing a song, there was a man in the congregation with a large tumor on his neck. And he said, while we sing Jesus Breaks Every Fetter, I saw that tumor fall off of the man's neck. They numbered the healings and miracles at Azusa Street. They couldn't number them. There were so many miracles that had taken place. I am anxious. I am hungry. I am desperate. I am reaching. I believe God's going to do it for me before I die. I have seen some miracles. I have witnessed some miracles. But we are not where we need to be. We need to get back to the simplicity. God can use every person in this building. These signs shall follow those that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall read cover I told about a little grandmother who locked her keys in the car in the mall parking lot she worked and worked with a coat hanger to open that door and a big man rode up on a motorcycle a bushy looking man she said and got off and uh, he had a big chain hanging out you know his big leather billfold and she said he had that door open almost in a few minutes She gave him a big hug, and she said, Thank you, Lord, for sending this nice man to help me today. And he said, No, ma'am, I'm not a nice man. I just got out of prison for car theft. She grabbed him and hugged him again and said, Thank you, Jesus. You sent me a professional. Somebody shout, This is my day. Do you know when we start believing it, it's going to happen? Let's get back to the simplicity of Christ. I preached a message in, uh, in uh, Illinois at Shine Dowdy's church. Where is he, Pastor? I forgot. Uh, somewhere in Illinois. What's the name of that city? Help me, Jesus. I need a miracle, Lord, right now. But it don't matter. Mattoon, Illinois. And I preached a revival, and I was preaching about how God doesn't need us to manufacture miracles. Nearly every miracle in the Bible followed an instruction. God gave an instruction. Fill the water pots up with water. He turned it into wine. Cast your nets on the other side of the boat. And God filled the net up into the boat and the net was breaking. Am I right? Go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he went and washed and the Bible said he came seeing. Instructions, many instructions were given. And when people obeyed, they had a miracle. And I was preaching that night. I was preaching that night, and I was preaching, be a conduit. Just if God tells you to do something, do it. And I had like five bullet points that I'm going to have today. And, and, and so in the middle of my message, it was a big crowd. Here comes this little couple. I don't know them. I don't know anybody there hardly. I, I, and uh, just a few of the pastors and preachers, they have a little baby. I found out later the baby was uh, eight months old. I, I didn't know a lot about, I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know they had adopted the baby. I did, I, or were trying to. I didn't know the baby was blind. I did not know the baby's mother was a drug addict. And because of her drug addiction, the baby was born without eyes. I didn't know any of it. And I, I felt the Lord impress me to finish my message. I didn't, I felt an urgency in the Holy Ghost. Can I tell this stuff to you? And so, and so they were standing here. They were doing what I asked them to do. Break out of your box. If you only do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always got. Sometimes you've got to be bold in the Holy Ghost. You've got to do, well, I think that may have been God. I think the Lord may have put him on my heart. When, when somebody comes to my mind anymore, I just shoot them a text. It's easy to do. Hey, you came to my mind. I'm going to say a little prayer. You cannot believe how many times somebody texts back and say, wow, the timing on this was amazing. 
amazing. But I asked the mom and the dad, I thought they were mom and dad, y'all just be seated here. I'm going to preach just a few more minutes. And the Holy Ghost fell in that place. People were praying. There were probably 400 people, 300 people in the altar. I was out praying with people. In a moment, I went over and I, I saw this couple were there with a baby. And Gordon Poe had a little, had a little, uh, 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 a little baby toy, a rattle toy. And he was holding it in front of that baby and the baby was doing this watching him following him and i got a picture of it i got a video of it somewhere i could play it for you tonight you want to see it i didn't know that nobody laid hands on that baby i don't know if anybody even prayed for that baby but that baby's eyesight came back they sent a video to his doctor and the doctor started crying on the phone this is a true bona fide miracle well you know what this shouldn't be an exception to the rule if we're going to have a 20 uh, a book of Acts church, then we need miracles in the church. Amen? Nobody prayed for that baby. It was just a mama and a daddy saying, I'm going to do what God told me to do. They stepped out in faith. Hey, I don't have to finish a message. If somebody here had cancer today, I'd stop what I'm doing and let God heal you of that cancer right now. That would be more important than me. Do you believe God can do it? I got the Holy Ghost. I got on the elevator to LSU Shreveport, way up high, and we were going down. There was one lady on the elevator. You stay right there. You Jamaican? You're American, but you you kind of look Jamaican. You got it. Well, she rubbed off on you. That's it. I don't mind you standing right there and helping me preach. You want me to preach? I got on the elevator and we're going down, and the lady on the elevator did this. Woo! Only two of us on the elevator. She looked at me and said, Are you a preacher? And I said, Yes, ma'am, I'm a preacher, but that's not what you're feeling. It's called the Holy Ghost. She, t- she said, man, I just got goosebumps all over my body. I, she, it, you know what? You got the Holy Ghost. You're not like every John Doe that walks into Starbucks. You're not like everybody else that goes up and gets a latte or a tea or whatever you're getting. When I go to my Starbucks, which is a bad habit I have, I walk in the door and sometimes they start saying, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. He just told me what that meant. I didn't even know what that meant. You know what? Because I'm nice to people. I talk to people. I smile at them. I'm a representative. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm not like everybody else. Do you have the Holy Ghost? Then you need to be a conduit. Let the Holy Ghost. Clap your hands to the Lord. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Why don't all of us be Jamaicans for a second and clap our hands and shout. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. If I have time, I didn't have time in the first service. I'll give you five bullet points on simplicity. It's not complicated. They simply followed Christ's instruction. He did what he told them to do. He said, go preach. They went preaching and God confirmed their words with signs following. They go to the lame gate, to, to the gate beautiful, and the lame man's there. He'd been, he'd been lame since birth, right? He had no strength in his ankles. And Peter and John looked at him and said, look on us. They're just doing what God told them to do. Go heal the sick. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They believed it. Peter looked at him and said, I don't have any money, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man's legs and ankle bones received strength. And he rose up on his feet and went dancing into the tabernacle. If God tells you to do something, do it. 
Well, let me tell you what he told you to do. These signs shall follow them that believe. That's what he told you to do. Go preach. Go teach. Go baptize. Amen. I'll do the work. I'll be the healer. I'll be the miracle worker. You just be bold and you go out and do what God asks you to do. Amen. Peter said, Lord, if that's you out there on the water, bid me to come. Come on. Man, boy, there's so many stories in the Bible I wish I could see in real life. The water's rocking and rolling and the waves are crashing against that boat. And this old rugged fisherman said, all right, let's give it a whirl. He climbed out of that boat and started walking on the water to Jesus. He just followed an instruction. Whatever God tells you to do, do it. Amen. The second bullet point is they had singleness of heart. The Bible said they continue in daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house that eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Study that word singleness there, and it actually, it means it has its roots in simplicity. They were in this together. Their motives were the same. They weren't playing different games. They were all in the same game. They were all on the same team. They were all on the same side. Nobody was jockeying for position now. They did that before Calvary. After Calvary, they quit jockeying for position. Amen. They spread the gospel. This was not a hobby to them. It was their life. They just went everywhere, the Bible said, preaching the word. It wasn't an hour and a half on Sunday morning. It was daily in the temple and in every house. They did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Mark. Mark 16 and 20 said they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. Ladies and gentlemen, we need simplicity. We need singleness of heart. Do we believe God can do it again? Can we have a book of Acts church in the 21st century? Somebody help me preach. Where's my Jamaicans right now? Somebody help me preach. The multitude that believed were of one heart, and they had one soul, and none of them said the things which he possessed were his own. Just do your job. We give people that come into our assembly a giftings test because we're not all gifted in the same area. You know what I mean? Some people are gifted in some areas. Some are gifted in another area. If you're not gifted to sing, don't try out for the singers, all right? We've had a few do that, and it didn't work out well. You know, they can't sing. So we try to find out where. Now, some people think they're gifted in singing, and they're not gifted. And it's hard to tell them, hey, you need to find another place to do ministry in the church. Because that's not, in fact, we don't tell them that. I don't, I've never got the courage to tell them that. We just tell them in the sound booth, turn their mic off. I mean, that's about all you can do. Y'all don't go ask those sound men if they've ever done that, all right? Amen. My brother's a professional Christian singer. They got machines now that, that if you go flat or sharp or something, that machine corrects it. I guess we could all sing, huh? I don't even know why I got off on that. Find your gifting. Two men held Peter, let him down in a basket because the Bible said they were laying in wait day and night, watching for him to leave the gates and that they might kill him. And two unnamed, unknown disciples held the ropes on a basket and let the man down that turned the world upside down. They didn't have a clue that in that basket was two-thirds of the New Testament. They didn't have a clue that the book of Romans was in that basket. And Galatians and Colossians and Ephesians. They didn't have a clue that Philippians and Timothy, First and Second Timothy and Titus, they didn't have a clue. They just followed an instruction. They was doing something they could do. Whatever you can do, go do it. That's what I'm telling you to do right now. Hey, you don't know who needs a blessing beside you. That's why I tell our people, don't come to church and sit there and not clap your hands. Be a conduit. Maybe the Holy Ghost will flow through you and get on the person beside you. Some, some of you sweet people, I'm retired. I can say what I want to say. I'm going home tomorrow. I, I'm, I don't have to come back. I don't have to do nothing. I got three grandkids that live in my house. I got seven. My God, I go home, hold my 
granddaughter in my life. I'm cool. Let me tell you something. Get excited when the preacher preaches. The person beside you may look at you and say, boy, they ain't getting nothing out of this. And they may not get anything out of it. Be a conduit. Be the man with a rope in your hand. Letting down the great apostle Paul who turned the world upside down. Are you hearing? Do you understand what I'm saying? Why don't we all stand on our feet and clap our hands right now? Let's everybody be a Jamaican for a moment and say, hey, I'm going to do what I can do. I may not can sing, but I can clap my hands. I can shout. I can do something. Amen. Amen. We're in this together. We're in it together. Brother Meyer, we can do a lot together, can't we? Just two churches, sister churches. We can do it. We can do it. Somebody shout, this is my day. Come on, Sunday school teacher. You may be teaching the next Chris Green. You may be teaching the next Josh Heron. You may be teaching a missionary that's going to turn Africa upside down. You may be out of sight. Nobody sees what you're doing. Hold that rope tight. Hold it tight. Hold it tight. Hold it tight. You never know. I worked at World Headquarters. You can be seated for three years. And I miss pastoring. I miss having my hands in the harvest. I moved back to Bossier and took the church there. They invited us to come 34 years ago. And they had three vans. One of them sat under a pecan tree. And that old sap had dripped on the van. It was pitiful looking. But I was so hungry, so anxious to get my hands in the harvest. I began to drive that van, picking up kids for Sunday school. And I found these four little Hispanic kids. The parents couldn't speak English. The mother would ride with us. I couldn't talk to her. She'd come to church. And I'd pick Roman up and his three sisters. They came. They came for years. And one of, one of the sisters in the church told my wife, said, I'm embarrassed for our pastor to drive that old van. Well, buy him a new one, my Lord. Ride and take him candy on Saturday, you know. I didn't even know a policeman was following me around. That does kind of look weird, don't it? A, a man going around giving candy to kids in all these neighborhoods. Thank God the lady running the dispatch at the police station, her uh, her brother was in our church, and the police called in, ran my license plate. She said, oh, don't worry about it. That's Pastor Jerry Dean. He's picking up kids for Sunday school uh, tomorrow, getting kids ready. You know what happened? I brought them. That boy's uh, Roman and his sister's daddy got thrown in jail uh, for a DWI, and he called me and asked for $500 to get him out of jail, and I, I couldn't do that. And uh, I didn't want to do that. Anyway, he wouldn't let him come for a while. After a while, they uh, he changed his mind. He let him come. By this time, I have another man, Scott's, picking him up for Sunday school. We sent him to all our youth camps. They grew up. And as they got older, every one of them moved out, left the church, went on doing their own thing. We started a Spanish-speaking church at home uh, about 11 or 12 years ago. One day, I'm in a restaurant, and I, ru- I bump into Roman, Roman, Roman. He got up and hugged me. He's sitting by a, a, a lady. I said, Roman, I want to meet your wife. She's heavy with child. And he said, hey, Pastor Dean, she's not my wife, but we're going to get married. I promise you we're going to get married. And I'm like, Roman, you need to come to our Spanish-speaking church. We just started it. Oh, Brother Colin is heading it. He's your old youth pastor. Come to church. Roman shows up at church. His little wife knows nothing about Pentecost. The next thing you know, she's in the baptistry getting baptized. She gets the Holy Ghost. Two of his sisters are now. There's three of them in our Spanish-speaking church. They're the main people in that Spanish-speaking church. I had no clue. They're the strength financially of our Spanish-speaking church right now. I had no clue. I'm in an old nasty van. I'm picking up some little kids for Sunday school because I want to get my hands in the harvest. I'm, I'm going in a little different direction, but I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. Just keep that hand. Keep your hand on that rope. You never know what you're doing. You never know who you've got a hold of. Somebody help me again, would you? Somebody help me again. Somebody help me again.
I got to get out of the way. I want God to do it. Just be a, be a conduit, somebody. My third thing that I put down here is a simple little bullet point. Bullet point that quitting was simply not an option. Backsliders are stupid. I heard somebody say, my Lord, have mercy. That's why my wife's praying for me to clean my mouth up. I got a call one day from the Bossier Police Department. They said there's a man up on the bridge, and he said he wouldn't talk to anybody but a United Pentecostal preacher. He's hanging out over the bridge. I go up there. It's Traffic Street Bridge. It's Highway 80 between Bossier and Shreveport. And there's police cars everywhere. There were probably 50 police cars on both sides of the bridge, you know. And I, I pull up there, and that was back when we had these old customized vans, you know. I pull up there, and whew, I'm rolling up. And, uh, it like the Red Sea opened up, man. First policeman there, I said, I'm Pastor Jerry Dean, United Pentecostal Church. All right, come on. And here's this guy hanging out over the water. And it's not that high. I mean, and the sheriff is down there in the boat just circling. And I jumped off cliffs that high when I was a kid. In those mud holes we used to swim in. And so I'm walking to him. He's like, who are you, who are you? And I said, I'm Jerry Dean. I'm, I pastor the church. It was right around the corner. That's our old building. And he's like, don't come any closer. Don't come any closer. And I'm like, what's going on? What are you doing? And he said, I want to kill myself. I looked out and I said, I'm not sure that'll do it. There are better ways. I, I didn't go. To, they didn't have a class in Bible school on how to talk somebody off the bridge. If they did, it was one of the classes I never got to. I, you know, I didn't go to college. Nobody trained me how to. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a clue. And I, I asked the guy, I said, man, I don't think it'll do it. And he said, well, I know how to hit. I said, you better know how to hit. You're going to have a belly, what we used to call them, a belly buster. That's when you thought you could dive and you couldn't. And you're red for three days right here. And he said, I know how to hit. I, and I did. I told him this. I said, man, his name was Rocky. I said, Rocky, man, these people trained for years. No, I had to water. And anyway, I said, well, why did you want to talk to a United Pentecostal preacher? And he said, because I grew up in Palm, Tom Barnes's church in Minden. Well, he's an icon in our part of the world. He's now deceased. He was amazing. He was a prophet, apostle, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. That's what my old bishop told us. He filled every office. And I said, so you're a backslider? Yeah. You won't kill yourself? Do you believe in hell? Yeah. You're stupid. Backsliders are stupid. Oh, God, help me. Better pray again, honey. Are we online? We're online this service. Oh, Jesus. Do you know I got him off the bridge? Give me a hand clap. I talked him out of it. And, and he told me too. I said, why do you want to kill yourself? Because it's, my girlfriend's shacking up with a man over here. I said, this is getting wilder. You kill yourself over a woman? There a lot of women in the world, man. Y'all don't believe that story. I don't care if you believe it or not. I, I probably embellished it just a little bit, all right? Probably. But you know what? I talked him off that bridge, and I told this story years later at a men's conference in Louisiana. I'm preaching. I'm telling a story. It came back to my memory, and, 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 and I said, and I got to thinking, what if he wouldn't pray through? Because we had a lot of men for men, and I'm like, oh, God. So I verbalized that. Well, the guy in the balcony stood up waving his hand. Turns out it was his son. He had never met his daddy. He said, I'm going to find my daddy. I hear he's living in the Lord. It's a true story. 
His, his son's name was Caleb, I believe. And Caleb, Caleb became one of our ministers. But Caleb, Caleb went and found his daddy. You know what he was doing? He was running a rehab for drug addicts. I told my brother Dan that story. He said, Jerry, that's too hard to believe. I said, Dan, I'm just telling you, it's a fact. It's a fact. You know that New Testament church? They didn't quit. They killed him. They beheaded James. They, they martyred Stephen. They stoned him to death. They didn't quit. They put Peter in prison. They had an all-night prayer meeting. They went to war. They, the word stopped wasn't in them. They told Paul, the prophet said, if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to carry you bound to Rome. He wanted to go to Rome. He said, I'm not afraid to die. None of these things move me. They didn't have quit. Palm Bay, East Wind, you need to get something in your heart to say, there's no quit in me. It's just that simple, ladies and gentlemen. It's that simple. There's nowhere else to go from here. We got truth. We've got the one God message. We got the Acts 2.38 message. Would somebody help me right now? This is it. They stoned Paul at Lystra, thought he was dead. He went right back into Lystra, crawled up out of those stones. They had no quit. You know why? They weren't afraid to die. They weren't afraid of any kind of COVID. They weren't afraid of any kind of death. They weren't afraid of none of that stuff. And that spirit of fear gripped our nation, and I'm not going down that road. But don't let that spirit of fear get on you. Hey, my next step is heaven. Are you hearing me? That ain't a bad option. Did you hear what I said? Heaven's not a bad option. My daddy was 92 years old, decided he was tired of living, crawled up in a hospital bed. I went to see him. He said, I have zero fear of death. I'm going to heaven. He said, Jerry, it's hard to leave your family, but I'll be there waiting on you when you get there. We need to realize, church, listen, get... Oh, God, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Oh, God. God. My next bullet point is their simple confidence in God gave them boldness. They just believed God would do what He said He'd do. Hey, how many, was it like nearly 500 saw Him after the resurrection? These people were alive, man. They were alive. They were alive. You're not afraid to die when you've seen Him come out of that grave. Uh Uh-uh. They had boldness. We need boldness. We need boldness. Let me tell you again. You're not every John Doe walking the streets of this city. You're not every person. You have the Holy Ghost. Do we know what we have when we have the Holy Ghost? One of our ladies at home, her name's Ginger. She's a nurse. She's a sweet little girl. She works in our seven ministry to those with hurts, hang-ups, and habits, and Anyway, Ginger at the lunch break was talking to Doug, and they would open the Bibles, and Doug grew up in, in another church, and she was showing him. She was talking to him about baptism in the name of Jesus. He said, I never heard that in my life. That ain't in the Bible. She would say, well, you need to read your Bible. He said, he said, they told me the Holy Ghost didn't happen anymore. People don't speak in tongues anymore. She said, you need to go home and read your Bible. And he did. He started reading his Bible. He came to church. He liked church. I met him the first time he was there. Told, told me his name was Doug. I said, Doug, we're glad to have you. He said, I'll be back. I like this. Well, they, she, they were talking every day at lunch. We had a Monday night prayer meeting. Doug told me this, this part of the story later. He said, I read in 1 Corinthians 14 where the Apostle Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. And literally, this guy grew up in a church. He said, I didn't know Paul spoke in tongues. Y'all, y'all knew that, didn't you? That's why she kept saying, read your Bible. So we had a Monday night prayer meeting. We usually pray from 77 to 8. Ginger got up to leave, and she noticed Doug was hesitant about leaving. She said, he said, where are you going? She said, well, it's, uh, we usually pray about an hour, and, and we leave. She said, you don't have to leave. You can stay here if you want to stay. Well, he didn't want to stay there without her. He didn't know a lot of people. 
And she got worried about him. She called him when she got home. She said, Doug, are you okay? And he said, no, Ginger, I'm not okay. What's wrong? He said, I want the Holy Ghost. To when? Now. Anybody wants it now, you can get it now. Ginger called me later that night. She said, Pastor, I panicked. I've prayed with a lot of people who received the Holy Ghost, but I was never the instructor. I didn't know what to do. She grabbed her computer and she Googled how to pray somebody through the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. It's a true story. It happened not in the last year in our church. She Googled it. It pulled up, I think she said, three bullet points. And she said, said, okay, Doug, let's go. Doug had already been baptized. We had already baptized him. And she said, I, I guess she led him through repentance. I don't know, but the end she probably told him, like Chris Green and all those guys, tell him to start praising God. Anyway, he busted out speaking in tongues. He couldn't stop. You don't believe this, do you? You want to have a Book of Acts church in the 21st century? I do. Doug never misses unless he has to work. He's at the house of God. You can get it. Just be a conduit. That's all Ginger was, is a conduit. Just let the Holy Ghost flow. God doesn't ask us to manufacture anything. He doesn't ask us to heal anybody. He doesn't ask us to give anybody the Holy Ghost. We couldn't if we wanted to. But if you'll be a vessel, if you'll be somebody that He can flow through... Oh, clap your hands again, all you people, and shout unto God. The Bible said, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, this was the guy who just denied him. Now they saw the boldness that they were unlearned and ignorant men. That doesn't mean they were crazy. That means they were uneducated. They marveled. For all men glorified God for that which was done. I just buried a sweet man in our church. He was too young to die 25 years ago. We prayed a guy through named Stacy McGee, who was a lifetime abuser of drugs and alcohol. Stacy was a piece of work. He now pastors a church in Pennsylvania, he and his wife. But Doug kept saying, Stacy kept saying, you got to pray for Doug. He's killing himself on meth. We did drugs together for years. You can pray for Doug. He told me that a dozen times. Please pray for my friend Doug. One Christmas Eve, it was probably 1996 maybe, Doug walked in the door, came to the altar. I prayed for him. Doug got the Holy Ghost at one of our small group meetings about a week later. He saw us anointing people with oil. Now, Doug's kind of radical. He felt like he had the gift of faith, and he did. But I didn't know it in that time. I sure didn't know it. He became an evangelist, an ordained minister with the UPCI, and traveled and preached and prayed for people. He couldn't preach his way out of a wet paper bag, but he could, he could, out, he could, he could pray for the sick man. He was using a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom and all that. But he came up to me after church. He hadn't been in the church but just a few weeks. He said, have you got any extra of those little bottles of oil? Uh... Yeah. Can I have one? Well, that's scary for a new convert taking off a bottle of oil, you know. You know why I tell stories? Because you'll forget every one of my bullet points. But you won't forget my stories. This is an unembellished story, I'm telling you. I had to be out of town. There was a man who was a founding charter member of our church. His name was Owens, and his daughter's name was Fern. And she was already up in years, and she called the church. And her husband, who had done a little work on our new building, his name was Ben Scroggins. She said, Ben has, uh, uh, what's that disease? Uh, uh, see, I'm, I should retire. I, I should go ahead and retire. Anyway, uh, meningitis. He's in the hospital, and he's in a coma. And they don't think he's going to live. And I was leaving town. I said, well, let's give old Doug a shot. I called Doug, and I said, hey, Doug, you want to go pray for somebody? Yeah. So he's, he's, he's out at uh, Piermont Hospital, and he's in ICU. His family's all in the waiting room. They don't think he's going to live. Oh, yeah, I'll go pray for him. 
Doug walked into the waiting room and announced to all the family that God was going to heal Ben. Y'all can quit your crying, he said. Walked into ICU and started walking the room, and the nurse grabbed him and said, where are you going? He said, I'm going in here to pray for Ben. Doug was crude and rude. Oh, yeah, he was not we find at all. She said, you cannot go in there. He's, he's got meningitis. He's contagious. You can't go in there. They had a window up on the wall. He said, all right, I'll just pray for him out here. He smeared oil on that window. Curse that sickness. Curse that disease. Y'all don't have to believe it if you don't want to. I'll be, I'll be leaving soon. You can say that crazy nut from Louisiana down there telling us all those wild tales, you know. You want a 21st century church to be like the book of Acts? We can do this. This is our day. I'm going to close. Just hold tight. I'm going to close. Doug had not got to his car. He went out in the, in the waiting room, told all the family, God had touched Ben. He said, I was just fixing to get in my car, and somebody was hollering, and he turned around, and a young girl that happened to be the granddaughter, she said, are you the guy that came and prayed for my grandpa? He said, yeah. She said, he just woke up out of his coma. Ben just died about a year ago. Somebody called me, and he probably 85 and 90 years old when he died. He was already an old man. This is our day. Do you know what God needs us to be? Bold. Bold. Now, we got to use wisdom. I'm not telling everybody to be a Doug. But what I am telling you is quit calling your pastor when your co-worker needs prayer and say, would you go to the hospital and pray for my co-worker? Quit calling the church. No, you, you get you a little bottle of oil. You walk in that hospital room. You're a believer, aren't you? Be a conduit. That's the will of God. All right. I'll get this last bullet point. Everybody stand. I'm done. Whew, it's nearly, it's nearly lunchtime. Of course, you Jamaicans don't care, do you? I'm going to get that. What do they call it? Jerk chicken? Jerk? Jerk chicken? What's jerk chicken? I don't know. I went to Jamaica. They, they were doing that jerk chicken. As you jerk it around before you kill it, I mean, what do you do? Jerk chicken. Just, I, I could just see visions of that Jamaican cook with that chicken in there over the pot jerking on it. You know, we have something. I like that jerk chicken too. I'm going to tell you that, and they have something else jerked. I don't remember what it was. They have, everything they eat down there has been jerked on. I guess. I don't know. Let me give you that last bullet point. Bullet point. They gave their all. They didn't leave anything on the table. They didn't leave anything in a church service. They gave it all they had. The Bible said in, in the book of Acts 34 and 34, there was none among them that lacked. This is an amazing verse of Scripture. For as many as were possessors of lands and houses sold them, brought the price of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet. Distrib- distribution was made to every man. That, that verse was the will of God. I don't have the time to teach that. This is a missions-giving church. Many of you have given liberally. I know that. I know your pastor. I've talked to him. I know what you've done. Thank you. Many people here have given sacrificially. I don't doubt that at all. But, I, you know, I doubt any anybody here has given everything you know God has blessed me so much when I thought I'd given all he just gave me a bunch more God's not a man Paul said those things that were gained for me I counted loss for Christ I count all things but loss somebody help me right now somebody help me out right now somebody help me out right now They gave everything. They gave everything. They laid their lives on the line. Do we want that kind of a church in the 21st century? I say yes. Hey, is there anybody in here that could be just as happy with the less than you have right now? I could. My wife and I sit down at the table sometimes. I have the most incredible wife. She's so 
a huge part of my ministry. And we look back to that first little church we pastored. We were about to starve. We, you know, I had two bank accounts, so I could float money from one bank account to the other. You, you young people, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. You know, you, if you deposited a check in this bank, it would be like three days before it got to the other bank. So I deposited a check in this bank, give my wife a checkbook from the other bank, and I don't think that's legal. I mean, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I mean, we, we had to buy groceries. We had a church of 70 or 80 people out in the country, nothing there but a church and a parsonage, and everybody were farmers in the church, and they were kind to us, and it was a great place to break in our ministry as a pastor. But let me tell you, let me, let me tell you, when I, when I looked at all that, we sat down, and you know, now we live in a house that was almost given to us. I'm not talking about a shack. I'm not talking about a shack. I'm talking about bad to the bone, best neighborhood in Bossier, almost given to me. Don't owe a penny on it because we just kept giving. We just kept giving. We just kept giving. We just kept giving. And God just kept rolling it back, rolling it back. We just rolled it to God, and He just rolled it back to us. And when it came back, it was pressed down, shaken together, running over. It just kept coming back. It just kept coming back. This is not a sermon about giving. I'm not even talking about money altogether. But I'm talking about being willing to give Him everything you've got. That means when you clap your hands, don't patty cake. Wonder what would happen if everybody in the house they went... Where's my shouters today? Where's my shouters today? Can I tell one more story? (laughs) I got permission from Pastor Myers to tell one more story. We're going to show you a video from Nicaragua tonight. So we had an evangelist in our church. Our church loves missions just like you do. We're committed to it. We get ready to build buildings. This is what I always said. Not if we have to cut back on missions. We've got a world to reach people. But God gave me a vision, a dream, of building seven Bible schools overseas. And I don't have time. Maybe I'll tell you tonight. But anyway, we had an evangelist, and he got up and made this amazing prophecy that our church was going to give an enormous amount of money to missions. And... I didn't know what to do. I put my head down, down between my knees and said, God, what I have is $50 million. I called my bishop, Brother Tenney, and said, what do I tell the church? He said, well, he probably should have run that by you first. I got a man in the church that had a little money. He called me the next day. He said, Pastor, does that guy know how much $50 million is? I'm like, I don't know. Well, Brother Tenney said, Brother Dean, you know what? You give him a little room. He's a prophet, and he is a man of God. And he said, you know, they may, may make some mistakes, so. And then Brother, Brother Tenney floored me. He said, what if it's true? See, we got all these limitations, knowing. I remember God telling Abraham, is there anything too hard for God? Anyway, we hadn't given $50 million, But before that year was up, and that was about six months into the year, we, our church had laid 50 He told them to put it down here at the front of the altar. I'm not asking for an offering. Don't, so don't start running up here. Unless you want to. He, anyway, he said, put it right here on the platform, right in front of our pulpit, just about that far. My, my assistant was up there making announcements. He was stomping all over a $22,000 check, and I'm, I eased up there and slipped that check out. I'm like, she had showed it to me before church. She said, do I give this check at the front of the pulpit? That's what the man of God said to do. So Brother Shannon's walking all over, and I'm like, ooh. But they gave half a million. I, I just knew I wanted to build a Bible school. I go to. I was on the Global Missions Board for nine years. I went, and my dear friend John Hopkins was the regional director of, uh, in missions of, of Latin America and Central America and the Caribbean and all that. I said, John, I want to build a Bible school and honor my mother and dad. Where can I do it? He said, come watch this video. I go over, and he plays a four-minute video. He had been down to Nicaragua to preach to the pastors and their wives. There were about 400 of them in that room. 
They were going crazy. They were all in Holy Ghost huddles. They were speaking in tongues and crying and weeping and praising God. And in the video, panned over to a little straw offering plate with money falling over the sides of it. I said, John, are they shouting over that offering? He said, Brother Dean, they're trying to build a Bible school. Those men gave their bus ticket home. They gave their meal money for the conference. And they're going crazy over it. Come back tonight and I'll show you the end result of that. I said, John, when did that happen? The missionary said they had prayed 15 years for God to help them build a Bible school. There was 1500 U.S. dollars in that offering plate. They gave it all. Brother Nick said, Brother Dean, we've been praying 15 years. The Bible school students sleep, eat, and go to school in one room. They, lay their, they pull the desk out and lay their beds down at night. They roll their beds up and put out the tables to eat their breakfast. While they were doing that... <laughs> Feel something moving in this building. God was moving on a people in Bossier City to build them a Bible school. I think that Bible school was about three hundred and twenty-five thousand, but we had the money. We had the money. I've been there. I'll show you a video tonight. You'll see that Bible school. Don't miss tonight, boy. I got some of you to come back. You don't even come back on Sunday night. Boy, that was cool, wasn't it? What I just said was cool. Hey, God honored them. You know why? They gave their all. Today in Las Corinas, Nicaragua, right outside the captive city, there's a large two-story, I forget how many square feet people come. They sleep in the dorms. They eat in the kitchen. They have their classes. They have a big place for their board meets, offices for their district board meetings and general board meetings in Nicaragua. And revival is spread all across that country. Because you know what? We can have a Book of Acts church in the 21st century. Lay your hand on somebody's shoulder close to you, and let's pray together right now. If God gives you an instruction, you need to follow that instruction. But let's pray right now that God will do a work in this church like the book of Acts and Habakkuk prophesied and said if you heard it with your ear, you wouldn't have believed it. You want to pray right now that we'll be that church that God wants us to be that will have boldness, that will follow His instruction, that will do what He's calling us to do. Come on now, in the name of Jesus. Would somebody pray in the Holy Ghost right now? It's okay in a Pentecostal church to pray in the Holy Ghost. Would somebody pray in the Holy Ghost right now? Let the Lord lead you. Come on, singers, get ready to sing. Let's let the Lord work. Let's let the Lord work. It's not that complicated. It's simple, brothers and sisters. It's simple, brothers and sisters. God didn't intend for it to be complicated. God didn't intend for it for us to have to go through all kind of training and special sessions. And I'm not against that. But God had a simple message. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a life-changing message. Hallelujah. It's a life-changing message. I wish somebody would come to the front right now. Pour your heart out to God. Make yourself available. I'm a vessel of God. I want to be a vessel. I just want to be a conduit. I just want to get that boldness. I don't have the boldness that man talked about. I need that boldness. I need that boldness. I need that boldness. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else that wants to come? I need that boldness. I believe Palm Bay is going to be a first century church in the 21st century. And I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to have my hand in it. I'm going to be holding on to the ropes. You may teach in a class. You may be playing an instrument. But I'm going to be a part of it. Hang on to the rope. You 
Can do that. 